this morning again. Let me invite your attention to God's Word. James chapter 1, beginning in verse 19. How do I relate with difficult people? I want to ask you this morning, can you think about the difficult people in your life? Who are they? Can you name them? And then I'll ask you to think about in your life, are you someone's difficult person in his or her life? And I imagine there are going to be people who are going to take notes today. Maybe that's the first time you've ever taken notes because you want to get some insight on how do I relate to difficult people because you can put some names and faces together. Well, let me give you a little insight on difficult people. Where are you going to find them at? Many times you're going to find them in a workplace. You're going to be around people who are sometimes rude, who are disrespectful, and sometimes who are aggressive. And that oftentimes happens in the workplace. And because of that, many people would say, you just hate your work environment because of the difficult people whom you're around. Other folks, it's going to come in your family life. You've got family members who point out to you everything that you do wrong. And they never really say what you do right. Oftentimes in families, when you think about your spiritual faith, they're going to be critical of you because they believe you're journeying this walk with Jesus is a waste of time in your life, and they will say that to your face. Many times we face difficult people in our families. Uh, there are times you're going to face difficult people even in church life. For some reason, you and another person in the life of the church, you just have a clash of personalities and you just don't get along and see things eye to eye. And it's just difficult. I know many pastors would say that they, trying to pastor, lead God's church to be obedient to God's word, do everything that God wants them to do. And they face difficult people. Why? Because they resist any kind of leadership to do something different. Not unbiblical, just different. And many pastors would say, sure, I face a lot of difficult people in the fellowship, the life of the church. And then there are times you're going to face difficult people in relationships. And you can name these individuals and you say, I just don't want to be around him, her, or them. And then kind of a new one in our day in many ways, and this is all ages. We see this with kids and with students and adults. Social media. You face many, many difficult people on social media platforms. Bullying is very present on some of those platforms. Let me say this. Just because someone says something that you may be against or even against you, you don't have to respond to every single entry on social media because every hill is not worth dying on. And you'll see that as we go along in this message. But I want to ask you, are you facing difficult people in your life and then how are you going to respond to those difficult people? How do you relate to them? Because on one hand, you don't want difficult people just to run over you in life. But on the other hand, you want to make sure you respond to difficult people God's way. Because knowing Christ should influence how you and I respond to difficult people in life. Should make a difference. And then I just want to ask you, are you a difficult person to other people in your life? book of James chapter 1 nuts and bolts how do we relate to difficult people James he says in the beginning of this know this and so when an author under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit says to you and me these two words know this then that should mean we sit up and pay attention here's something we need to know but ultimately something that we need to do and he says know this my beloved brothers he's not writing to those who are outside of Christ he's writing to those who are brothers and sisters in the Lord 
These are individuals who know Christ and who are following him. So know this, my beloved brothers. What do we know about the church as we know? We know there were power struggles going on in the church. Anytime there are power struggles in the fellowship of a church, problems exist. We also know from the book of James that there were cliques inside the church. Some people were welcome, some people not so welcome. And please understand, cliques are never going to build a fellowship the way God wants the church to be built. And then, then we understand favoritism was alive and well in the early church. And so favoritism, James knew, was not of God in any way. And so when you see favoritism, that is not what God desired for his people. We are all precious in his sight. And James is writing about these things because he knew there were difficult people, difficult situations in the fellowship of the church. Now I want to make this next statement, and I, you, want to, you may want to write this one down. It's not in your notes, but something that you're going to really re- relate to. And here's what it is. Hurt people hurt people. As you go along in a Christian life, just know that. Hurt people hurt people. Because the world says when you face difficult people and someone does something to you, then if you've been hurt, then you hurt them. That's not the counsel of the word of God. That may be of the world, but that's not of God. And so hurt people hurt people. I just encourage you, if you've been hurt by difficult people in your life, make sure you handle that God's way and not the world's way. Now, let me give you some other thoughts. Not on the outline here yet. I want to encourage you to write these down. I want to give you some words here. When you think about difficult people, what are some common characteristics about their lives that we would need to know? Number one, they're pushy. Difficult people are pushy. Oftentimes, they're very aggressive in life. They have an agenda. They're trying to push us in a certain way. So difficult people are oftentimes pushy in life. A second word I'd give you, they're critical. Difficult people can be critical in life. They're always pointing out to you what you're doing wrong. They're nitpickers. They're saying, you didn't do this right. You didn't do this right. You could have done this better. You should have done this differently. And so they're always pointing out what we did wrong. And so they're never affirming very much, but they're always critical. Give you a third word, they're loud. Uh, Difficult people want to be heard, so they're loud. They're aggressive. They oftentimes, again, may even use curse words at times, but they're loud. They wear you down. And then a fourth characteristic I would give you is they're explosive. If you've been around difficult people, you know this, that they're explosive because you're always walking on eggshells. You never know the person you're going to face on any given day. One day may be fine, but the next day you think, what happened in his or her life? They just exploded. And so you're walking on eggshells, trying to be very careful. And it's like a volcano. They explode. Ains and I, years ago, were at Mount St. Helens. And we saw the damage that volcano did in that area. And difficult people can be like that. They just explode. Anger, rage. And then it just comes your way. But how do you relate to difficult people? Well, I believe from James chapter 1... That's why I love preaching through books of the Bible, the Word of God. I think he gives us insight. I want to give you five of these, how we're to relate to difficult people. And I pray that you'll apply these to your life because as a kid, as a student, as an adult, you're going to face difficult people in your life. And I would even say today with the power of the Holy Spirit that if you're someone's difficult person, that your heart could change as a result of our gathering and worship today, that your life would be different. 
Let me give you these. Number one, listen closely. As you and I think about what James is going to say, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person, that includes you, that includes me, let every person be quick to hear. Folks, are you eager to hear? Are you quick to listen? Are you listening closely? You and I need to develop skills of listening in the Christian life because he says here, be quick to listen. There's passive listening and there's aggressive listening. As you and I listen to God's word, but also as we listen to other people, we need to be aggressive listeners. We're paying attention to what is being said. We're leaning in. So be quick to listen, he says in this passage. But is it easy for you to listen to other people in life? I want to give you these two insights. You can write these in. As you and I listen closely, one, it allows us to listen to other people, to the other person. And here's what I mean by that. As you go along, you're facing somebody who's difficult to you in life. So as you listen to him or her, it allows you to hear what's going on in this person's life because this person may be difficult, and here's why. Maybe they don't have all the information. And as you listen, you're able to discover that. Maybe this person is hurting in life. Maybe this person is crying out for help. Or maybe this person just needs spiritual help in the Christian life. So as you put your listening ears on and listen to somebody who's difficult to you in life, maybe you discover what's going on in his or her life. Listening is a powerful thing. Now, I'll be the first to admit, listening is hard to a difficult person because he or she is probably criticizing you or complaining about other people. But it's wise to listen in the Christian life. And James says, if you're going to handle difficult people, listen closely. Look at the second sentence. allows you to hear the counsel of God. What is God's word saying? The Bible says, be still and know that I'm God. So somewhere you've got to slow down. You've got to put your ears on. Listen to what God's going to say to you. Because through the preaching of the word, through the reading of the Bible, through prayer, the Holy Spirit, other people's circumstances, what is God trying to say to you? What does he want you to know? What does he want you to do? If you're going to respond to difficult people well, then you need to listen closely. God, what, what's the other person saying? But God, what are you saying? And I want to come back again. I knew early in my Christian walk with the Lord that if I was going to be all that God wanted me to be, not only at that moment, but the years and years and years that God would walk with me and I could walk with him and be used of him, I knew without any question I was going to have to learn how to listen to God in life. And so this is the book. I went to a mom-and-pop Christian bookstore. I can still see it today, Columbia Avenue, Glasgow, Kentucky. This was the first ever Christian book I ever bought in my life. By Dr. Charles Stanley, How to Listen to God. And that book is as relevant in my life today as it was decades ago. Because, again, if you're going to relate to difficult people God's way, you're going to have to be quick to listen. What's going on in his or her life? And God, what are you saying in my life so I can hear from you that I know how to respond and what I need to say and what I need to do? Learn to listen to God in your life. And so if I could say anything to you as a, as a, as a kid, as a student, as an adult, make sure you put yourself in a position to say, God, what are you saying to me in life? Listen to him. Number two, speak carefully. If you're going to relate to difficult people well, you listen closely, but you speak carefully. Words matter. 
As you and I speak words, words can build up or tear down. Words can heal someone or injure someone. How many times did I remember growing up on a playground at school and, and somebody say these words, and I still remember them even to this day, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words never hurt me. Anybody ever heard that before? Do you realize that's a lie from the enemy? Uh, sure, sticks and stones can break our bones, there's no doubt. But what is a lie? Words never hurt me. That is not true. I've, I've, I've ministered to people, and it's like a cassette tape. They hear these words. It plays back, plays again. These words, individuals who have significant wounds in their lives. Why? Because it's from the words of other people, words that have been spoken to them or about them, injured them, wounded them. Even to this day, words are powerful. What does James say? Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear. So listen closely, slow to speak. Speak carefully. As I think about this idea of speaking carefully and realize the importance of words, as we are slow to speak, what does that do when we relate to difficult people? How does that help us? Well, I've given you some insights here. Number one, a cooling off period. See, see when, you, when a difficult person says something, again, this person is pushier, this person is critical or loud or has exploded on you in some way, and you don't respond back immediately, it allows you to have a cooling off period. It allows your temperature to kind of cool down. Sometimes when difficult people say something to us or about us, I mean, we're as hot as the Arizona desert is in life. And if you've ever been to Arizona in the summertime, you know how hot that is. I remember the first time Angie and I ever went to, to Phoenix. We flew into Sky Harbor Airport. People, we knew it was going to be hot. It was going to be in July. We're cheapskates, so we go when it's cheaper. So we're going out there in the midst of the, of the heat in July, 110 degrees. But everybody kept saying, well, it's a dry heat. It's a dry heat. It's not going to be bad. We, we fly into Sky Harbor Airport. We get our luggage. I'm, I'm, I'm carrying luggage and golf clubs at the same time. We get outside the airport going to the rental car. It's 110 degrees. And I said, I don't care what anyone says. 110 degrees is 110 degrees. It's hot in this place. And there are times when difficult people say something to you or about you. Your temperature is running high. And if you would just guard your tongue because James knew the power of the tongue, it will give you a cooling off period so you don't say something that you're going to regret. That's a wise move to say, I'm listening closely. I'm careful as I speak because if I say something now it's going to be something I'm going to regret later just gives you a cooling off period hold your tongue when necessary look at the second gather the necessary information when you are when you're speaking carefully and sometimes you just refrain from saying something at the moment it allows you to get all the facts because if you're going to respond to a difficult person you want to make sure you've got all the facts you want to know what the truth is what the story is not what hearsay is but what are the facts you want to know that number three time to think through the situation uh, you want to take some time maybe seek out the counsel of other people or maybe you want to take some time in your own life and just pray and make sure you're prayed up and as you're prayed up, then you know what to say. You know how to respond. You even know when to say it and when to respond. But it gives you time to think through the situation. Again, so you don't have regrets in your life. Then number four, obey what God says. When you are slow to speak, you're obeying what God says. You're quick to listen. You're slow to speak. Respond to difficult people the way God wants you to. Listen closely and speak carefully. 
It's wise when you're around difficult people, whether in your workplace, your family, church life, people you know in relationships, even on social media. Be quick to listen, slow to speak. Look at number three, behave consistently. If you're going to respond to difficult people, it's going to affect your behavior. Look what he says in this passage. Know this, my beloved brothers, let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak. And notice this next phrase, slow to anger. And then he qualifies that for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. There's such a thing as righteous anger where where we see things happening and we've got to deal with that because it's the right thing to do in the eyes of God. But there's also the anger of man and that does not produce unity but division hurts people in life. Hurt people hurt people. And be careful about man's anger. I saw a story just this past week coming out of Pennsylvania. It was at a Golden Corral restaurant. Now, now you would think there'd be rage at a lot of places, but what's going on at Golden Corral? There was a fight that broke out in Golden Corral, and the fight broke out over steak at that restaurant. I don't think I'd be fighting over the steak at the Golden Corral, but some people might. And so they broke out. Words were exchanged between people. And then all of a sudden, 40 people in that restaurant over steak at the buffet line started slinging at each other. They picked up chairs and started throwing chairs at one another. Then they picked up baby chairs and started throwing them at one another. And then they picked up tables and started throwing at one another. I mean, it was just rage. It was out of control at a Golden Corral restaurant. And so I just encourage you, if you're going to respond to difficult people the right way, you've got to listen closely, you've got to speak carefully, but you've got to behave consistently. Make sure, again, you're not responding to people out of anger in life. And you say, well, what if I respond the wrong way? And what if I do get angry and I respond to difficult people with anger? What happens? Look at these statements. Number one, you behave in inappropriate ways. But folks, you you behave in ways, inappropriate ways. Here's what I mean by that. You ultimately look at life and say, listen, because of what he or she said or because what they said to me, I'm going to hurt them or that person or I'm going to hurt other people. Do you realize road rage is a thing in our day? I mean, you've got to be careful when you're out there on the road because you don't know what somebody else is going to do because there are many people just angry out there in life. Be careful about this. Make sure you respond in the right way. See, we come to this point and you say, well, I, yeah, I don't even have issues with difficult people. Well, let me ask you this. Maybe you send somebody a text message and that person takes forever to respond back to you, but finally that person responds to you. And what do you do? You say, well, I'm going to wait forever to respond back to him or her. I'm, if they're going to play that game, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, let me ask you this. Have you ever been driving down the road and a car is on your bumper? And you're looking in the rearview mirror, get off my bumper. And then all of a sudden that car pulls out left and is going to pass you and you feel the Lord leading you to speed up at that point. You ever, you ever been there and done that? And you just feel your blood kind of boiling just a little bit and think, hey, that person's not going to pass me now. Well, listen, you don't even know this person. You're never going to meet this person again. Just behave consistently. But there are times if we're not careful, you'll behave in inappropriate ways. Look at number two, you weaken your Christian testimony. Folks in the Christian life, we're to build bridges to people, not barriers to people. 
So when somebody's difficult in your life, be careful how you respond because you don't want to respond the wrong way because you want to build bridges and not barriers. Number three, you reveal the lack of trust in the Lord. You're to trust the Lord even with difficult people. God, I don't want to handle this person the way I want to. I want to make sure I handle this person your way in life. So you trust the Lord to say, God, you work us out in your way at your time so that you'll be glorified in this. There was a little boy, he was a nine-year-old prodigy. You can learn a lot from a nine-year-old. A nine-year-old prodigy entered Loyola University. Can you imagine going to college at nine years old? And he was just super smart. So he's in the college classrooms. Somebody asked him one day and said, what is it like to be in college? What are other people saying to you? We realize they're making fun of you in some ways at nine years old, being a student at Loyola University. And this nine-year-old boy spoke incredible wisdom into that situation. And the reporter said, well, how do you respond when they make fun of you? And here's what the little boy said. I have learned to walk away. It's a great word. There are times when difficult people come against you, say something, they explode on you. The wise thing is to behave consistently. There are times the wise thing to do with difficult people is learn to walk away. Every hill's not worth dying on. You don't have to respond to every situation. What did James say? Be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Learn to behave consistently because God cares how you live and how I live. And there are people out there who are saying, well, it doesn't make any difference how you live the Christian life. That's not an agreement with the Word of God. God cares how you and I live the Christian life. There are people out there who are saying, you can listen to music with vulgar language. God doesn't care about that. You can watch shows that glamorize immorality. You can even make decisions and never consult God. That's not God. That's not how God wants you and me to live in life. God cares how we live. Joseph had an opportunity in the Old Testament to sin against God. But listen, he knew Potiphar's wife liked him. He knew that Potiphar trusted him. But Joseph also knew the eyes of God were on him and he was not going to disobey his God. Why did he say, how could I do such a thing and sin against God? Joseph was behaving consistently. Same is true for you and me. So how do we relate to difficult people? Well, you learn to listen closely, you speak carefully, you behave consistently. Number four, you surrender completely. What does James say in this passage? He says, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. This idea of putting away, it's a runner's term, meaning you're coming to a race, you've got your warm-up suit on, it's time for the race, so you take the warm-up suit off and you're ready to run the race. And that's what James is saying. There are certain things for us here believers, do not fit who we are in the Lord. You need to take those things off. Filthiness, rampant wickedness, they don't fit who you are in Christ. And as you deal with difficult people, you don't need to relate to them out of the flesh, but out of the spirit. And let me give you these things that I would encourage you to make sure you've surrendered your life to. And as the Lord leads, number one, his salvation. Make sure you've surrendered your life to Christ because he is the only way to be saved. Had the glorious experience on Thursday seeing a lady turn from her sin and put her faith and trust in Christ. Had the joy of bending on my knee right here just a few moments ago before the service started. A young girl out here in our service today talked about on Friday, gave her heart and life to Jesus Christ as a young girl. 
Folks, he's still saving people. And I just encourage you in the room of those who are watching, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus to be your Savior, surrender your heart and your life to Jesus. You're not ever going to be saved by good works. You're not ever going to be saved by religious deeds. You're not ever going to be saved by attending church activities over and over again. You're going to be saved because Jesus gave his life and he surrendered everything for you. He shed his blood for you. is victorious over death and the grave. Jesus Christ is alive. He is the way to be saved. And so I just appeal to you today in this room or watching, if you've never given your life to Christ, you know facts about him, but you've never surrendered your life to him. Surrender everything to Jesus today and let him save you, forgive you, redeem you, change your life today. That would be a glorious decision in your life on this Sunday. His salvation. Second is leadership. What is he doing in your life? How does he want to lead you? You surrender your life to his leadership to say, Lord, here am I. You send me wherever you want me to go. I'll do that. Then number three, his discipline. How is he wanting to discipline you so that, listen, discipline's not a bad thing. Growing up when my parents disciplined me, I didn't like it. But it was indication they were my parents. That was a good thing. And so when God disciplines you and me, we may not like it, but it's a good thing. It verifies that we're his children. That's a good thing. Hallelujah for that. And so surrender your life either to be saved, to follow his leadership, or even how he wants to discipline you. But make sure you surrender your life completely to him. Number five, receive continuously. Here's what I mean by that. When you look at this, look at this text, he goes, know this, my beloved brothers, let everyone be quick to hear. Slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness, rampant wickedness. And then here's what he says, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. The power of the word of God in life. As I think about that, I think about the Word of God, and I'm going to preach a message next week, God willing, on how do we respond to God's Word. But when I think about the Word of God, and I think about reading it in a spiritual discipline in my life, it was one of those disciplines God used to change my relationship to Him, but also the future of my life. It was the power of the Word of God. Because when I made a decision in my life that I was going to read the Word of God every day in my life, it, it helped reveal to me who is God, it showed me who I am in life, and it even revealed to me what the purpose of God for my life really is. The Word of God transformed my walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. It'll do the same to you. And it says that even in this implanted Word, it's able to save your souls. I appreciate the ministry of the Gideons because they're giving away God's Word literally all over the world. And how many stories of people have you heard they ended up in a hospital room or a hotel room or somewhere at a desperate place in life and they picked up a copy of the Bible and they started reading the Bible and God's Spirit led them to verses or a verse that showed the person of Jesus Christ and the Word of God is so powerful. That person trusted Christ to be his or her Savior. Why? Because of the reading and the influence of the Word of God in his or her life. It's that powerful. And he says, what? Receive the implanted word with meekness, which is able to save your souls. Now, when it comes to difficult people, how does the word of God make a difference in their lives? Look at these. One, guard you against responding the wrong way. 
How many times have you been tempted to say something to a difficult person at the wrong time? You didn't allow your anger to be dealt with, righteous anger. You, you didn't think that situation through and you responded. But when you rely on the word of God, it allows you make sure you don't respond the wrong way. You're not going to regret that somewhere down the road because the word of God is at work in your life. It just guards your life. Number two, it prepares you to see difficult people from God's perspective. Folks, you have to realize difficult people are not your enemy. You have an enemy, but it's not flesh and blood. And so when you look at difficult people, God loves difficult people because he loves you and me. And you and I are to love difficult people as well. It allows you to see the people who are oftentimes explosive in your life. You see them through the eyes of God. That's wise to do. And then number three, equips you with truths that change difficult people. The good news is difficult people can be changed. And so you're able to share maybe God in your workplace, in your family, in school where you are, social media, in church life, some other relationships. God puts you around difficult people. You have the right spirit, the right demeanor. You handle this situation the right way. And then God uses you to be a witness in that person or those people's lives. And God uses you to speak truth into them. And God uses you. Now, two things I want to say here when it comes to how do you respond and relate to difficult people. Uh, Let me say this. One, refuse to be offended. Somewhere as you mature in the Christian life, when somebody speaks words or does actions against you that are difficult, you've got to get to the point to say, I'm going to refuse to be offended. I'm not going to take that personal. I'm going to have a tender heart and thick skin. Somewhere you've got to respond to say, I'm just not going to be offended by what he or she said or did. Now, let me say, there are things in life we need to be offended about. Folks, we ought to be offended by racism. We ought to be offended by abortion. We ought to be offended by injustice in the world. But when it comes to the words of other people, we ought to have tough skin and refuse to be offended. Let me give you a second thing. Always take the high road. Because there are some things you can control and some things you can't control, but always take the high road. When it comes to difficult people, you will never control what they think, say, or do. You just can't do that. But here's what you can control. You can think and you can control what you think. You can control what you say. You can control what you do. And that glorifies God and pleases Him when you do that. And so how do you relate to difficult people? James is clear. You listen more than you speak. You speak carefully. You behave consistently. You surrender your life to him. And then you just keep receiving the word of God. And he will equip you to respond to difficult people in your life. Now I want us to bow our heads together in this room. And those who are watching. And I just want to make an appeal to you. In this invitation today. I want to make an appeal to you. If you need to give your life to Jesus Christ in the room or watching, would you just surrender your life to him right now and just say, Lord Jesus, there's no delaying, there's no procrastinating. I surrender my life to you now. I receive you as my Savior. I trust your forgiveness. Thank you for giving me a brand new start, a brand new life. But Jesus, I give you my life, my heart, right now 
Would you just make that prayer in your life? Whoever calls on the name of the Lord to be saved, just make that prayer in your life. I want to encourage you in this room watching. You, you, you witnessed someone being baptized in obedience to Christ today. If you know Jesus, it's been a week ago, a month ago, years ago. But you've never taken that step of believer's baptism. What are you waiting on? As a pastor, I just want to gently encourage you. Here in just a moment in this invitation, step out from where you're going to be standing. Walk down one of these aisles. Come to us and say, I need to be baptized as a believer in Christ. I want other people to know that Jesus is my Savior. And that's one of the ways we testify about his salvation is an obedience to baptism. We invite you to come. Folks, we got an amazing church family. We love our church family. What a blessing to serve the Lord Jesus together. What a blessing to worship together, fellowship together. Maybe you're coming here for weeks or months or even years, but you've never stepped out and walked down an aisle and come forward to one of our pastoral team, even to myself, and say, we want to be official partners and members of this church. This is where God's led us to. We want this church to be our family and our home. I just want to encourage you, don't wait another Sunday to make that decision. In this invitation, just step out and come forward and say, today's the day. We want to place our membership. We want to be a part of this family because God's doing a work here, and we want to be a part of that. And then I want to encourage you today, those difficult people in your life, you may face them tomorrow in the workplace. You may see them today in your family. Maybe some people in church here this morning. Maybe some people in relationships. Maybe you see them online. But you just need to pray for them. And to say, God, will you change him, her, or them? And then you pray for yourself. God, help me to respond, relate to difficult people your way. Not the world's way, but your way. God, use me in their lives. And then I want to encourage you, maybe God reveals to you that you're a difficult person in the life of someone else. And you just go to that person and say, you know, I've been hard on you. I've been pointing out all the things you've been doing wrong, but never encouraged you about the things you're doing right. What an amazing step that would be. And the only way you can do any of those things is because of Jesus. Give me Jesus today. Our pastoral team is going to be here. Our prayer teams are going to be here. You're watching online. You can email us. You can respond on the platform you're watching on. But we would love to celebrate with you and counsel you and walk with you to be obedient to Christ. Give me Jesus. Father, we love you and we thank you. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that you so loved the world that you gave your only begotten Son, and his name is Jesus. And Father, today I pray for salvation, baptism, church membership, Christian life. Oh God, let this altar be filled with people and those who are watching online respond because you are drawing people to you and you're changing the lives of people. So do that today, we pray. And we give you praise. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.